marks. Get set. All right, well, hello. My name is Josh Walters. I'm the campus pastor here at the Mount Pleasant campus, one of the teaching pastors here at Seacoast. We are so excited that you're here to worship with us this weekend. I want to welcome you if you're joining us online or in one of the venues or at an off-site campus, wherever you happen to be, we are glad that you are along for the ride as well. For the last two weeks, we've been in a series called Ready, Set, Go, where we've been talking about how to best prepare for, run in, and ultimately win the race that God has marked out for each of us. Uh, Now, this race is interesting because it has many different forms. For some of you here today, if you're a student, the race that's fresh on your mind is the kicking off of a new semester. Or maybe you're a parent and you have kids that just started school and and God knows that raising uh, godly, well-mannered, decently intelligent kids feels a little bit more like a maniac mud run or a tough mudder. How many of you would agree with that? There's surprises around every corner, challenges, obstacles, kids wearing Weird clothes, the wrong clothes, no clothes, you know, Lord knows. It's a hot mess, but it's a fun race to be in. For some of you, maybe the race that's fresh on your mind is the wrapping up of a calendar year, whether it's personally or professionally or in your business. There are some things that you had hoped to accomplish, uh, some changes you had hoped God would bring about in your life, some, some place that you hoped you would be. And now we're heading into the end of the year. It's almost the fourth quarter, and you're questioning, what kind of ground have I taken? What's still possible for me in the rest of this year? Well, big picture, the race that Paul was talking about was that of our spiritual journey. And he's been very purposed in the passage there at the top of your outlines, 1 Corinthians 9, to make sure that we know that this race is not one that you just stumble in on. It's one that you run with great discipline, with intentionality, that you persevere through. In week one, Pastor Josh talked with us about some ways that we can best prepare for this race, that we need to pick a plan, we need to know what we're preparing for so that we're ready to run in it, that we need to run with friends. Uh, This is not a race that we're supposed to run alone. Last week, Pastor Greg talked to us about what we do in the wait, how do we posture ourselves while we're waiting on our race to begin. And this week, we're gonna look at go. How do we best run the race? Why do we need to run the race uh, in such a way as to win the prize? So let's take just a minute and pray, and uh, then we'll get started. God, we thank you so much for this weekend. We're thankful for your word that it does not return void. And God, I ask that you would just be present with us this weekend, that you would open up our hearts and our minds. Uh, God, that we would be open to anything that you might want to speak to us or anything you might want to do in us or through us. So we thank you for this time together as a family. I ask that you would be present in power. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was 2004, and I had just interviewed for a position on, a, on staff at a church to be on their student ministry team. And at that time, there weren't many churches that had a team of people on a staff going after the next generation. So I was excited about the model the church was using. I loved the, the pastor at this church. It was my first full-time position in ministry, so I was fresh out the gate, really passionate. Interviewed with them, loved everything about it, but then two or three days after the interview, I felt something in me shift. And, and for all the excitement that I had going into it, I now had that same certainty that it wasn't the right step for me. And so I, I called the pastor, his name was Pastor Don, and said, Pastor Don, man, I loved connecting with you. I love your team. I just feel like this isn't the right step for me. And it was almost as if Pastor Don knew that, that the direction that I had chosen wasn't gonna be an easy one. Because uh, from that point on, he started shooting me text messages. He would call me, say, hey, Josh, I'm thinking about you, man, praying for you. We would get together probably once a month for him to just see how I was doing and, or get coffee, something like that. And there was one lunch in particular that I'll never forget. 
He said, Josh, how you doing? And, and it was one of those days, one of those seasons where, where life was good. Marriage was going good. Katie was crazy in love with me. And uh, so I shared that with him. And I uh, said, marriage is going good. Date nights are great. We've got two little girls at this point. I'm learning how to be a daddy to little girls. It's so much fun. Man, I'm just loving it. Ministry is going great. The, the church we had settled in felt like God had given us favor uh, in, in the schools with families. We were reaching students. There was tons of fruit. Kids were coming to Christ. As I'm talking to him about this season, the imagery that kind of came to mind for me was of me sitting on a tube riding down a river. And the, there almost seemed to be an undercurrent that was carrying us where we were supposed to go. The river was helping us navigate challenges and obstacles. The scenery was changing felt like we were taking ground, God was doing things in our lives, uh, but I wasn't having to exert much energy. It wasn't costing me very much. I was, I was tubing with Jesus, you know, on the lazy river of life, and God was doing this work. It was just awesome. So I finished giving him this, this theological word picture, you know, kind of excited about, man, this really is how I'm feeling. We're on the tube, man, we're doing this thing. I'm excited about it. And, and I finished talking, and Pastor Don says, man, that stinks, and now typically he was an encouraging, affirming guy. So this didn't jive with me. So my initial thought was, man, Pastor Don, not, every, not everybody can have the tube life, you know? <laughs> it's a good season. God's doing it. You know, but then he said this. He said, if you're on a tube, I'm on a motorboat. I'm not leaving the wind or the current or rocks or anything else to keep me from where God's called me to go. And I kind of sat there quiet for a minute thinking like, can, can, can you do that? You know? <laughs> Could I have a motorboat? Because <laughs> you know? if I were to evaluate our postures, up until that point, tube life had left me responsive, reactive. I was passive sometimes. I was involved, but I wasn't engaged. You know, if I was a car, the engine was running, but it just wasn't in gear. The cur I was at the mercy of the current. It was taking me uh, wherever, wherever I would go. I left lunch that day with Don feeling like this guy. Check this out. Hey, man. God's doing it, bro. He's carrying us. It's a great journey. Meanwhile, Don, if you look at the 1 Corinthians 9 passage there at the top of your outline, I underline a few phrases for you. He was running to win. Man, he had purpose in every step. He had disciplined his body. And not only that, he had aligned his calendar with where he felt called to go so that every day he was taking little baby steps closer to the man that he felt called to be, to the pastor he felt called to become to the Father, in every area of his life, I had every reason to believe that he was gonna attain it because he was going hard after where God called him to go. I had this imagery of me in, in my mind tubing with Jesus and then I saw Don like this. I was like, man, who needs five engines, you know? Like that cat is going for it. He's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. And the problem for me was up until that point in my life, scripture seemed to reinforce tube living. Strength will rise as you wait upon the Lord. Man, you wanna be strong? Saddle up in this tube with Jesus, man. Go on the journey, you know? Be still and know that I am God. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or what you're gonna wear. The pagans run after all these things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't stress and strive over that stuff, man. Just kick it with me on the tube, you know? And see, I came away that day realizing that my understanding of Scripture wasn't incorrect because those things are true. In our flesh, we don't need to stress and strive and strain after things that we could turn to the Father and Him give to us. 
him provide for us. But what I left seeing that day, even though my, my understanding wasn't incorrect, it was incomplete. Because there's some things in my life that God has called me to go after, that I need to have some skin in the game for, some, some things that I need to take steps of faith towards and, and pray like it's all up to God, but work like it's all up to me. That every day I would be responding in obedience, taking the steps of faith closer and closer to the life that he's called me to. See, after meeting with Don, there were a handful of passages in scripture that I didn't know how to process on the tube. Passages like Matthew eleven twelve, 12, there on your outline, it says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Now I got a question for you. Have you ever seen anyone forcefully lay hold of anything on a tube? You know, it's like even the most diesel of dudes just look like a target, you know, when they're floating down the river on the tube. This past summer, we went tubing as a family down the Broad River. We went to Chimney Rock for vacation, and it's the slowest moving two or three mile an hour, you know, deal there could be. So every kid had a tube, slow moving. But even on that river, there were some trees hanging over the edge. Periodically, I'd hear one of the kids, they'd be 20, 30 feet away, Dad, I'm stuck, you know. So I'm on the tube trying to look cool because my wife's there. And it's like, yeah, I'm kicking it on the tube. I'll come help you, babe. Then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I'm backpedaling on this tube. <laughs> It's like, I look like a bozo. You can't forcefully take hold of anything on the tube. So I started thinking after lunch, I'm like, man, I feel like there might be more for me. Does God have more for me that he's calling me to step into that's gonna demand me getting out of the tube and taking some steps of faith towards him? So as we get started today, my question for you is this. If you were to go out to lunch with the person sitting beside you today and talk with them about your spiritual journey, what your walk with God looks like right now. Which of those two pictures uh, rests best with you? Is it tubing with Jesus? You know, you're showing up. That current seems to be carrying you. The scenery's changing. God's doing some stuff, but overall, you're not having to put much work into it. It's not causing you much sacrifice or energy. God just seems to be doing it. Or would you say that you're in a motorboat? Man, that you have a clear vision of where God's called you to go, of who God's called you to be. And every day you're taking steps of faith closer and closer to the man or woman that he's called you to become. Well, I believe that there's more life available for us. And there's seasons where it seems like God does the heavy lifting, but then more than any, we need to be taking steps of faith to, to walk into the abundant life that he has for us. So today, first I want us to look at why. Why should I get out of the tube? Why should I take these steps towards the life he has for me? So three things for us. Number one, I need to get off my tube because he came. He came. John 3.16 says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, before we evaluate the miracles that Jesus did, the price that he paid for our sin, before we talk about him dying on the cross or him raising from the dead so that we too could have resurrection power, so that we could live in a right relationship with God, there's so much that we can learn about the heart of the Father just in the fact that he sent his son on a rescue mission to seek and save, to pursue each of us. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then when we had done nothing to earn God's favor or love or affection, it was then that he sent his son to pay a price for our sin. He set an example for us to walk in. 
One of our values here at Seacoast, the way we try to talk about that here at church is that we care about those who are not as much as those who already are. Meaning that our hearts beat for those in our community who don't have a relationship with God. So we try to create experiences to a way that they feel welcome, that they could take a step towards God, experience his power and presence in their life. Jesus set an example. He showed us the heart of the Father just by, just by coming. And then when he invited the disciples to come and follow him, he said this in Matthew 4, 19. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, now, now go and do as I say. He said, come and walk with me. Watch the way that I pray. Watch the way that I spend time with the least of these. Watch the way that I, I serve and seek those that are far from God so that you may know how to walk, so that you might know what it looks like to have a relationship with the Father. This past week, I took Asher and Ari shoe shopping, and that doesn't sound like much of a feat, but they are one and three years old. And so we walk up in the shoe store, and uh, the, the lady comes to us, says, sir, can I help you? And I was like, wow, is it that obvious? Yes, Lord, <laughs> please <laughs> help me. <laughs> so we, we walk to the very back corner of the store, which is super convenient with a one and three-year-old, and we get back there, and uh, I'm holding Ari, and so I'm like, well, let's start with him, and his feet are so cute. I mean, they're just like chunky steaks, you know, <laughs> small, but it's like impossible to find a shoe that fits because they're so thick, and so we're fine looking for shoes. About that time, Asher has gone up to the shoe wall, and, and they have every kind of light-up shoe imaginable. Elsa, Anna, Dora, Thomas the Train, he's lined them all up on the floor, this circus of lights, and he's, he's beating them down on the floor so they all light up. Meanwhile, the worker's looking at me like, we just put all those back up, you know, <laughs> help me out. So we finally get Ari settled, and I sit him down among the shoes so he can play with the lights. I'm like, Asher, come here, buddy, it's your turn. So Asher runs over to me. I'm like, no, buddy, face her. So he turns and faces her, gets right up in the lady's face. I'm like, no, buddy, get, get away from her face. Put your foot in there. So he plops it down in there the wrong way. At this point, I've given him like 10 instructions, and I've realized that this is not going anywhere quick. You know? So I said, Asher, look at daddy. And I put my foot down in the measuring deal and plopped it down and said, do that. So he walks right over, puts his foot in, and plops it in. I was like, dog. I could have saved a lot of time and energy you know, had I done that first. But that was exactly what Jesus did. He gave us a footprint that we could walk in. He showed the disciples and in turn showing us in his word exactly what it looks like to follow God, to walk in a way that leads to abundant life. So the first reason that I should get out of my tube is because he came from the Father representing his heart. He set an example for us to walk in. Second reason that I should get out of my tube there on my outline is because he sent me. He sent me. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says it this way. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. See, what Jesus was saying here when he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he was saying all authority over things that are seen and unseen, things on earth and things in heaven. I think about the time that the disciples got in the boat with Jesus after a long day of ministry and the wind and the waves picked up and Jesus was tired, so he took a nap. Meanwhile, the disciples are freaking out. They're losing it. We're gonna drown, Peter can't swim, you know, stressing out. And they go to Jesus and he stands up and rebukes the wind and the waves. Be still. And at once they were still. He had authority to, to speak. His words carried substance. 
Likewise, when he sent us out in his authority, he didn't just send us out to represent his authority. He sent us out as extensions of his authority so that when we speak life over dead places, our words would be substance, that they would touch heaven and change things on earth, that we would be extensions of his power. One of my greatest or favorite examples of this is in Matthew chapter eight. Uh, It says this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He goes on in verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that moment. See, he understood Jesus had authority over the seen and the unseen. That there was no situation or circumstance that that the centurion was walking through, that his servant was experiencing, or that we were experiencing, that we can't turn to him and in his power and authority cry out for help. He doesn't even have to go. He can just say the word and it will be done. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says it this way. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We've been sent by him as extensions of his power. This is one of the reasons that we're so passionate about church planning. It is the most effective means at reaching people who are far from God. A little over a year ago, we launched Pastor Ernest and his team out of Seacoast, and they planted Front Range Christian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. He was back here with us last month at First Wednesday and shared that now weekly, there's 500 people gathering in Castle Rock, a people who were not a people have become a people. Lives are being changed. People are being baptized because he was sent and planted a church there. We just sent Pastor Tim and Rebecca Lindsay to Zurich, Switzerland. They just had their last core team meeting. They're launching a church in October. Last year, we started our McClellanville campus. Uh, There's about 400 people in McClellanville, and now weekly, there's 100 people gathering at Seacoast McClellanville uh, to hear the good news. Next weekend, we actually launch a Sea Island campus As we talk about a people that are called to go and represent Jesus, it's so exciting that now in in Sea Island, which is Kiowa, Johns Island, Seabrook area, there's gonna be a life-giving church for folks in that area. Maybe some of you are driving from there to go to and check out. This weekend, we actually have Rusty and Laura Graves who are gonna be the campus pastors of that campus here with us. I wanted them to come up for just a minute so you could meet them. Y'all give them a hand as they come. Hey, brother. Thank you all for being here. Hey, Rusty, why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about you and Laura and kind of what you've seen God do over the last few weeks of y'all prepared to go. Well, my name is Rusty Graves, and that's my wife, Laura. We've been married eight years, so we have two beautiful girls named Piper and Glory, and they are ages three and one. And man, we've seen God do some amazing things, just like you've been talking about people of being sent out, you know, a group from the West Ashley campus have really rallied around us and embraced that sentness. Um, and even this morning at 6.30 a.m., we had our dream team at St. John's High there setting up and get ready for their second preview service. We want to give them a shout out. We know they're following along <laughs> right now with us. 
And, and I just, it's unbelievable. We have over 80 people on our dream team for a campus that hasn't even launched yet. Unbelievable. Wow. That's unbelievable. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> so exciting. Well, hey, tell us this. If there's one thing that you could ask your church family here in Mount Pleasant across all of our campuses to be praying for as y'all launch out next week, what would it be? Well, I've been praying uh, really every Saturday night when I lay my head down on the pillow. God, let somebody come tomorrow. Let them just show up, please. <laughs> let someone come. And I, and I know that's a funny prayer. I'm sure every pastor prays that every Saturday night. But, you know, it's a matter of we want to make a difference on that island. We want to make a, uh, and really a significance uh, that we're there. We want to mm. see people find a place to connect and belong to a spiritual family and a church home. And so uh, maybe even if you're here this morning from Kiowa, Seabrook, Johns Island, Wadmalaw, we want to invite you and your friends to join us next week for our grand opening at St. John's High School. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, here in Mount Pleasant across all of our campuses, why don't you reach your hand out towards Rusty and Lauren? Join me. Let's pray for them. God, we thank you so much for Rusty and Lauren. We're thankful, God, that this, this launch isn't by accident, that long before they had even moved to South Carolina, God, you had this vision for their lives to lead this charge, for the, their team that's gathered, for all the folks there on the dream team that are gonna serve that community. Your word tells us that you equip the cult. And so, God, I pray that right now, in some way, supernaturally, God, that they would sense your anointing upon them uh, to seek and serve and save and go after the folks of that community in the same way that you pursued each of us. God, I pray that, that there be a, just a sweet blessing that come upon their marriage, God, upon their kids, that the phrase only God would describe everything that you do in this next season for the lives that you change, for the number of people that show up, that in no way would they be able to point to themselves or their dream team or the facility for what you do, but only God that you show up and draw people to yourselves and forever change lives. So we praise you, God, for them. I ask that you'd be with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you all so much Thanks, for being here. So yeah. So, hey, your next step for you being sent may not look like going to launch a Seacoast campus. It may not look like going to plan a church. But what I love about being sent as an extension of his power and authority is that the call for us to go and make disciples that Jesus shared in Matthew 28 is a mantle that each of us who are Christ followers carry. And the significance of that is that it means our, our neighbors matter. Our coworkers matter, not just because they're people, but they're, they're people that God has put in our proximity. Folks that we have a relational connection with. Folks that are studying our lives because they know we're Christ followers. So our words can carry substance. Our actions have meaning. We're helping them take steps to becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, even if they're just looking at you a little different. Scripture tells us that people looked at the disciples and took note that they had been with Jesus. As you live out your faith with him, as you walk in the example that Jesus set, you're, you're impacting our community. People are gonna see that there's something different about you. We've been sent to go and make disciples. So number one, I need to get off my tube because he came. He set an example for me. Number two, he sent me in his authority. And number three, there on the back of your outlines, I need to get off my tube because he's with me. He's with me. Matthew 28, 20 wraps up saying this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Deuteronomy 31, six, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. See, most of us are pretty comfortable with the idea of God being with us. We kind of see him beside us. Uh, he's, he's locked arms with us. Maybe you see him like he's got your back, and when you come up on hard times, you know Jesus is behind you like, what? What you gonna do? You know, 
I got my boy. I'm with my girl. We got this. Maybe it's in the hard seasons where you know him being with you. He just scoops you up and he carries you. He helps you get through those hard seasons. And all throughout the Old Testament, that language is consistent. Uh, God was with his people. David even prayed, God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. His spirit would come in and rest upon people. He would be with them. But about 2,000 years ago, something changed. The language in scripture shifted. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he told the disciples, don't you leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when they did, the Bible tells us that it was sealed in them until the day of redemption, that it was given to them as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Colossians 1, 26 through 29 says it this way. The mystery that has been kept hidden for generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, it wasn't just enough that God sent his son to give us an example to walk in. Not only did he send us as extensions of his authority, but he said, I'm gonna go with you now to do even greater things than I have done. And I'm I'm not expecting you to do them on your own, but I'm going to be in you. Not just with you, but in you. That means that for us to even pray, God, be with me as a Christ follower is almost silly. Because he's like, dude, I am. Like, I can't be any more with you than alive in you. That means the resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us. That there's no problem you'll ever, ever face. There's no struggle you'll ever walk through relationally, financially. There's no brokenness you'll, you'll experience. Sickness that you can encounter where you can't turn to the resurrection power that lives inside of you. It's like, God, help me through this. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. I do not wanna do it. I know I need to do it. I can't do it. I know you can do it, that you can turn to him and say, God, help me. For the last few weeks, Katie and I have have been trying to run the bridge once a week for about the last month, and we'll run periodically at other times throughout the week so that we don't die when we try to run the bridge. Uh, but, but Katie is really the only thing that gets me out there. Katie being with me motivates me to at least show up to the bridge. <laughs> and each time we go, you know, the weeks change. There's been some weeks where I've, my pace has been a little faster and I've been 10, 15, 20 yards in front of her. And, and this past week, she was 10, 15, 20 yards in front of me. See, Katie being with me is enough to motivate me to, to get me to the bridge and get me started running. But when she pulls 20 yards ahead of me and all of a sudden I start getting cramps, concerns for, man, is that an organ? Like, that doesn't feel right. (laughs) I've got five kids. I'm just trying to be responsible here. I might need to check this out. (laughs) Hold on. Her being up ahead of me a little bit doesn't motivate me to keep going. But what does motivate me is the spirit of God living inside of me. And you say, for running? I say, doggone, yes, for running. (laughs) I'm feeling like I'm about to die. So I say, all right, no quitting, no excuses, no exceptions. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. In my weakness, his power is made perfect. When I am weak, then I am strong. Then I start over again. No quitting, no excuses, no exceptions. If I run for 55 minutes, I've got to say those six or seven sentences 2,000 times. I'm serious. I'm good for the first four minutes. But then I realize death is about to ensue. And I gotta start, <laughs> I gotta start tapping into some power. And the reality is, whatever bridge it is in your life, whatever it is that's gonna get you from here to there, to get off the tube, 
to get on a motorboat and say, I wanna go after what it is that God's called me to, you don't have it inside of you to do it. You're not gonna be able to muster it up on your own. No degree of behavior modification or running with friends is gonna do it. You're gonna have to turn to the spirit of God in you because you're gonna hit a wall. There's gonna be days where you do not wanna do it. Days where there's nobody around you running with you that you have to remember that God is alive in me. God, help me do this. The next question for us then is, is how do we do it? If we understand why we need to get off the tube, because he came, because he sent me, because he's with me, then what does it look like practically for me to get on a motorboat, for me to go after the things that God has called me to? So the next thing there on your outline, I can become a motorboater, which is just a fun word, <laughs> when I get a vision, get a vision. See, there's a lot of things that we could have, we could have put in that blank get some friends. I was thinking about Hebrews 12 this week preparing for this message. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles over and over and over in that passage. It doesn't say let me throw off everything that hinders. It says us. It reiterates, man, this is a race that you run with friends. If you're gonna go after what God's called you to, there better be some people around you to spur you on, to help you get on the bridge on the days that you don't wanna do it. Friends, no question, that's a big one. I was reminded of Isaiah 40. Uh, It says when the spirit of God is, is working in you and through you that men will run and not grow weary. Man, I've been doing some running lately and I'm like, I wanna tap into some of that, you know? Run and not grow weary, I can't imagine. So the spirit of God at work in us, empowering us by the spirit. Yeah, we need some of that. But the one thing, if we don't have it, we're destined for tube living is a vision. We have to get a vision. What does that mean? Practically, it looks like having a different or better picture of tomorrow than today. Vision can look unique for each of us. Last year, for example, our mornings were just a a, a mess, you know? With five kids, there's kids getting up all throughout the night, having, you know, not feeling good, wet in the bed, whatever it is. And so you're constantly up changing sheets, getting medicine, doing stuff, turning off the TV. It's the middle of the night, dude. No, you can't watch TV. You get back up to bed. So we're tired and we have to leave the house by seven. Well, there was a lot of mornings because we were up throughout the night that we were rolling out of bed at 6.50. And it's that scene from Home Alone where everybody's running around, throwing shirts and waffles and, you know, trying to get us out the door. So Katie and I finally said, what do we want our morning to look like? I was like, man, I want to have time with the Lord. I would love to be able to run. like to be able to cook a breakfast. We usually rock the Eggos. Nothing wrong with Eggos, but it was like, okay, we're gonna cook some pancakes, maybe some eggs. How do we do that? What time do we need to wake up to do that stuff? What time do we need to go to bed in order for that to happen? We had a vision for what we wanted the morning to look like, and we were able to create some steps to help us get there. Vision could look like having a word. Uh, Pastor Debbie that leads our our women's ministry here at the church for the last few years has sought God for a word for their women that would serve as a vision. A couple years ago, it was the word abide. So the theme for their studies and and what was put before women over and over was, was how to abide in the Lord, how to trust in him that we might bear much fruit. Pastor Chip and his wife this year each sought God for a word. So they have a word that's serving as vision for them to go after, that constantly they can, they can see ground that they're taking, steps that they can take to closer attain what they feel like God has called them to. 
Last year at our marriage conference, Pastor Jimmy Evans talked about a vision retreat that he and his wife have done for the last 30 some odd years. And he has a workbook, which we have available in our bookstores that Katie and I did this past year. It wasn't a fun little couple's getaway, man, it was work. But we went after God and said, God, what's your vision for us, for me as a man, for Katie and I as a couple? What do you wanna see happen in each of our kids' lives and how can we, how can we take ground to get there? You know, our vision here as a church is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. So man, in everything we do, we're mindful of those that are far from God. Our vision for this next season as we kick off this small group study, I see a church is that, that we would gather as a church, every single one of us, to process this question, to get a vision. We'll talk through our priorities as a church. We believe that we're a church marked by the power and presence of God. What does that mean? What does it look like for me to live a life marked by the power and presence of God on a Monday or in the afternoon with my kids or if I'm a stay-at-home mom or if I'm a business owner? How do I walk that out? So we're asking everyone in our church, as you came in across all of our campuses, you should have gotten this card. Y'all grab that for me real quick. It was on your seat. If you sat on it, you could reach under it and grab it. If your neighbor sat on it, I wouldn't reach under there and grab it. (laughs) Totally inappropriate. But our, our heart is that if you're currently in a small group, um, that you would press pause for six weeks on the study you're doing to join us for this series. We're gonna provide you with the, um, with the videos that you can stream online through Apple TV or any number of devices. We'll have DVDs if that's more convenient for you. We have a workbook, but the ask is for you to just make some time in your schedule. Maybe it's for, with neighbors or family members, coworkers, folks that you're already in a, in a small group with. Maybe you're already leading a group or the idea of leading a group terrifies you. All it is is pulling together a few friends, popping in this video and talking through the curriculum. So today as a next step, if you're willing to to host a group or if you're leading a group, we would ask you to take a minute and fill out this card. We have baskets across the front of our stage at every campus, but it's gonna help us equip you with the curriculum and things needed so that you can walk through that with us for the next season. Next six weeks, experiment. For some of you, maybe you're new here to the area or at any of our campuses, and you're like, I really don't have many friends. Well, we have tables in the breezeway, and we would love to help you get connected to a group, help you find a place to process this over the next few weeks. You know, as I think back to my, my lunch with Pastor Don that day, and I think about what life looked like for me on the tube, man, a sweet season where I felt like there was movement and growth. But as I, I processed that in light of the character of God, a God who came after me, who sent his son. A God who believed in me to the degree that he would send me as an extension of his authority and power. That he would give me his spirit, that, that resurrection power is alive and at work in me. Man, it compels me to ditch the tube. To figure out, God, what does it look like for me? What would it look like for us as a church to get on a motorboat? to take some steps in faith, to go after the men and the women, the couples, the marriages, the the small groups that God would, would call us to be so that we can step into the abundant life that Christ has for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this weekend. We praise you, God, for your word. I'm thankful that it does not return void. So God, I pray over all of us today, God, that in some way you would ignite something in us that would spur us on to take steps of faith to take hold of the men and women that you've called us to become. God, that no longer would we settle for for tubing with Jesus. Uh, God, that we we would take steps of obedience in faith to experience the abundance of life that Christ came to offer. 
God, we ask that you'd be present now as we head into response time, that we would be open to whatever you might want to do in us or through us. In Jesus' name, amen.